Hi, this is Michelle. I wanted to replace my usual intro with a personal one today. Firstly, with a trigger warning about pregnancy loss. So if you know this episode isn't going to be for you at this time, I invite you to skip it. Please know though, it's always going to be here if you need it. I had my own pregnancy loss last year and as hard as this was for me to even listen back to as I was producing it this week, I still think it's such an important conversation to share. There are really ingrained taboos around talking about pregnancy in the first trimester and pregnancy loss. And so as common as miscarriage is, and that's one in four pregnancies, if we unfortunately find ourselves facing our own loss, it can be incredibly lonely and terrifying when you don't know anybody you can turn to who has been through it. So I think that sharing conversations like this are important not only to inform men and women what miscarriage is like, but also to help change that taboo. Having said all that, the second half of this conversation is so powerful. Today's guest, Shana, speaks with me about using our difficult experiences to open our eyes to who we really are, what are our purpose, and to design our lives in a way that allows that purpose to be a truly unique and vital expression in this world. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Shana. Shana, what was your ending? Um, there, there was actually two sort of really pivotal moments in my life. Um, the first one was I lost my dad when I was 19. Um, he passed away and within those, within that moment, I was just like, there's something more for my life here. Like I just didn't know how it was all going out. So I kind of... I, I grew so much through that, that the grief in that moment, but also um, there was that really turning point in my life was I experienced a missed miscarriage in 2017. So I think after experiencing the grief, like from my dad, the miscarriage was just sort of slapping me in the face and telling me to wake up because I feel like my life just shifted. Everything, everything shifted. Um, I started to really ask myself like the deep questions because, you know, I, I didn't feel like I was living true to myself. You know, I was going back into a job that was toxic um, I wanted to help people, but was I even helping anyone? Like, what would I, 
be remembered for you know if I like when I was to you know leave this earth like I really um I really went deep within myself and I think that was that was the moment where I came up with true purpose so yeah like obviously my dad was like a sort of a moment that sort of just contributed then into our mis- my miscarriage and I knew that I used my experiences with, with grief and, you know, with, with pregnancy loss to, um, to help women. So how did you start to work through that loss and the grief of your missed miscarriage? Um. You know, I was always, when I was growing up, mum always said, you know, just write whatever's in my head or on my heart, like just write it out. So I started to develop um, a practice around journaling um, and just really writing out everything, like everything that came to me, whether it was bad, indifferent, um I didn't judge what came out I just I just you know wrote whatever it was that I was feeling me process help me process the emotions because that's what emotions are there for they're there to be acknowledged and to move through you um they're uncomfortable they're they're painful that it it's not nice to feel it, but it's there to be felt um, and acknowledged and released. So, and I feel like journaling was for me to be able to move through, um, to move through my emotion, to get clarity as well. But yeah, I think um, that was the main thing. So through this journaling, do you think that's how you started to unpack what your purpose might have been in life and, and, and to try to think about your career in a way that you could change and do something that's healthier for you and mm. more purpose-driven? Yeah, absolutely found my journal um from around that time and I had written in there like you know what is what is my reason for being here um and this is essentially kind of how I now have developed my business like it's to help women uncover what their true purpose is because it's essentially what I went through. Like the questions that I asked myself, the, what I, I felt naturally good at, like I would have people come to me and ask me for guidance, like all the time. Um, and I was a dental nurse. Um, so I was always helping patients in the dental chair. One thing I absolutely loved about what I did I actually have a letter still at home from a lady who 
thanked me for helping her through her anxiety that she had when she came into the dentist. So I knew intrinsically my, like what I was naturally good at. And through everything that I had been through up until that point, I had to help women through pregnancy loss because there was just no support for me afterwards. Googled everything. I Googled what I was feeling through my miscarriage. The only support that I got from my GP was the day that it happened. And she said to me, you know, to just watch my mental health um, and contact them if I felt like I was, you know, declining. And um, for me, I was very, very much in touch with how my body works. So I could understand, like, I was actually slipping into um, and I could recognize that for myself, but I knew that I, I knew other women would be able to actually, or even men for that matter, know how mentally, like if you just had someone say to you, just watch your mental health. Like I, I see it time and time again, women um, are in depression and they don't even recognize it. Um, so absolutely like when I was able to journal out everything that I was feeling, asking myself those deep questions, that's when I started to understand what my true calling was. And it was to be that support that I needed for other women and to create that support that is so desperately needed in that space. Coming back to that um, space of pregnancy loss, I I haven't mentioned this on the podcast before, but I did lose a pregnancy late last year. And, you know, it, it happens over the course of a week or so, you know, it starts. And, I mean, it's, it's ter- terrifying and you, it just, God, like I didn't know what was happening and I was just frantically hoping for the best, Googling every inch of the internet, trying to find some kind of evidence that this would still be okay and um, not knowing anyone that I could ask or that I could speak to um, because I think even though miscarriage is such a common occurrence, there's this, there's this cultural um, taboo in actually talking about it and women go through the first three or so months of pregnancy without ever mentioning their pregnancy publicly just in case they lose it. So in those circumstances, they can suffer in silence. And I think, um, I mean, it's not the way that it has to be um, because Mm. women need to feel like they're not alone. 
And we need to recognize that we can be there for each other. We can inform each other. Um, we can console each other. Um, I just, I, I wish that those networks and those communities were there. And, and I think having conversations like we're having today can really help to shift how people approach pregnancy and pregnancy loss. Mm. So like you don't get taught about it at all. Like I had even no idea it was. Um, and I had to so pretty much diagnose myself in because no one told me what had actually happened. And when you said, you know, just before about, you know, women having to go through the first trimester and not mention anything about being pregnant, I had to call my boss and say that I was pregnant, but I lost it. And sentence was just you know, heart-wrenching, but you have to explain yourself. Like you have to explain your time off work because you're grieving. Um, and that's also another area where I know a lot of women feel like they're not even allowed to grieve. And I'm like, it's, it's a loss. Like you've lost, it's, and it's a completely different loss too. Like, you know, the grief that I experienced with my dad was you know grief and loss but the grief that you experience when you lose a baby is so different because it's you've you've lost it with inside you you know within you and it's just so different um and the you put on yourself like I blamed myself for goodness knows how long before I realized it wasn't my fault you know, I shouldn't have gone for that walk. Like I should have known better. I shouldn't have done this or I shouldn't have done that. Like my body has one job, like it can't even do that right. And, you know, the like you hear it all the time, um, women going through those, the shame and the guilt like that they put on them, the blame. Um, but then society doesn't know how to actually talk about it. Like everyone just even when you are talking and you want to talk to someone about it they're like oh you should be over or you know you shouldn't you shouldn't be grieving um and I was like there's no timeline for grief like it is what it is you could grieve in a month you could grieve in years or 10 years like it doesn't it just keep and then you don't ever get over grief you just it just you learn to it coexists within you as part of your life. Like it's not something that you just get rid of. Like I still cry. I mean, I still grieve. You know, it's, you know, I lost my dad in 2003 and we lost our baby in 2017, but I still grieve. So it's just like it's not something that just. When it happened to you, did you want to talk about it? Um, yes, I was lucky that I like I was I could talk about it with my family. Then I started to within a few weeks I started to open up 
to friends and realised, like what you said before, like the statistic you say, I felt like I was the only woman going through it. I thought I was the only woman who had ever experienced And when I was in the hospital, they told me it was one in four. And I was like, are you kidding me? And then when I started friends, like within weeks afterwards, I was, you know, so surprised to hear that I had been through it too or and multiple times. And I was like, no one. It's almost like everyone just shuts up. Like no one. It's very, it is a very private part of your life. It's very important that we do talk about it and we do bring a voice to it because conditioned by society to say, well, to not say anything. Um, even the GPs, like in, in you know, like the medical system, they kind of don't talk about it. It's on there's no follow-up from them either. Um, it's kind of just the way it is. Like, and then you feel like well, if there's nothing out there, like I can't talk about it. There's no support that I can find. So and the GPs don't want to see me again. So, you know, I'll just be quiet. But I'm a very open person. I like to be able to talk everything out. So <laughs> I was um, able to sort of lean on my family to do that. Yeah. Can I also just mention because I think this is important to note that not only is it grief but it's actually really hard physically on the body um so how women are hiding this I have no idea because um I you know I could barely even walk for a week um barely even take a shower so the I it's the physical toll that it takes on the body is really, really tremendous. And not only dealing with that, but the grief, it's a lot. Mm. And yeah, I absolutely feel you. Cause I couldn't, I physically couldn't move either for like, oh, I don't even know. Yeah. Um, but again, we had no idea. I had no idea it was going to be like that. No, no, and that's it. Like, you know, I was even experiencing contractions and Googling what the hell was going on. And afterwards, like after I got home from the hospital, I got home and I really just sat on my couch for like maybe a week, maybe two weeks. But I was actually, um, I ended up having to go in and get iron infusions and stuff like that as well because my body had literally depleted everything that it it was like um you know magnesium iron everything that your body kind of needs like the vitamins and minerals that it needs to sort of function like I had just depleted so physically the grief like was heavy but also I had no energy physically no energy for anything I I couldn't think straight, but yeah, just physically didn't want to actually do anything for, you know, a week or two weeks. Look back at photo uh, videos that I had created at that time, and I couldn't even talk properly. 
like I was talking, but I was like, I, it's like a, it was an effort for me to even talk. And to be open and transparent, you mentioned contractions and, um, you know, the, <laughs> let's just be honest, the body, we do have to go into contractions. We do have to essentially birth that child. And it, again, it's not something you would understand or expect and and it just happens and it's terrifying and and, i mean on the other end if if the baby came out healthy after nine months you'd be surrounded by doctors and you know Mm. joy and i mean then when you miscarry you're essentially just there by yourself dealing with your own body yeah and it's such a primal thing as well you can't control it you can't stop it you just have to let your body run through this process. Um, mm. Yeah. So can I ask if you have any recommendations for the way people can approach um, sharing their condolences or talking to men and women who have who have lost a pregnancy what are some things that people can actually say I think the the biggest thing is like to know you don't have to have the answers you don't have to know what they're going through to just be there um and if you don't know what to say just say that you're sorry and that you're there for them you don't have to come up with, you know, some philosophical statements, ma- like magically make them feel better. Like just be there within their grief if that's what, you know, if that's where they are. Just acknowledging the the, the circumstance, just acknowledging them and their baby, like that their baby actually existed like that's huge and like I said you don't have to have the answers but also that men do experience the grief as well it's just it'll be it will look different for them they're they're, they are the ones that are going to try and hold it all together and you know it wasn't until six months after our loss that my husband told me what he was going through so all together they will probably act as if nothing is wrong but just that you are there for them as well like you are there for the them as a couple acknowledge it don't pretend like it never happened and like I said don't you know these things like I heard so often was you know it happened reason or at least you know your body can fall pregnant and I was like well that's not kind of helping me right now you know when you're in the thick of grief stuff like that does not help it hurts more than it so just to be there and say that you're sorry yeah that really when you said that your husband didn't start to talk about his own grief until six months after it happened really kind of 
hit me in the heart. Yeah. He and up he told me how scared that he was because he told me he was trying to hold he was trying to hold it all together apart I thought he was completely like over it because the way that he was acting um but you know and then I was a, a total mess but it was because I said that he felt like he had to he felt like he had to be that strong person and he didn't do that until six months after. You can understand, you can totally understand how men think that um, they have to be there to be the pillar of strength and to support you through this and to hold everything together, to give you space to deal with your own grief. Um, mm. so they can kind of swallow theirs. Yeah. Yeah, and they just feel like, you know, they have to go back to the way that life was sort of before. And maybe that is their way, a men's way of dealing with it, um, sort of just going back to some form of normalcy. Like he was going back to work. Um, I ended up taking five weeks off work because I was just, I physically couldn't go back. And mentally, there was no way that I could have, as a person, like, but he went back after like two weeks. So it kind of, yeah, maybe it was his way of coping maybe to, to, to distract himself um, from what had happened. Absolutely wasn't until, yeah, six months because we had then fell pregnant with our rainbow baby and he, we got, got through, I think like the first trimester and then told me how scared he was. Um, so yeah, it's, it is absolutely a real thing. And to acknowledge that for them as well, you know, and to, as, as a couple to open that conversation up to, speak to them in the space they don't have to say anything but for them to know that they have that space whether you make special time together to communicate with each other um whether it is just the woman getting everything off her chest uh, but it also allows the man that space too if he does really want to say something um just to open that communication up between them both between the partnership because yeah I had absolutely no idea you know I knew he was hurting but I didn't know that far down the track how long did it take you to um to become pregnant again um remember and that was another thing that I was like when I was so I had to get a DNC um, and the nurse told me, like, she's like, oh, within, you know, three weeks or something after your DNC, you're really fertile. And I was like, are you kidding me? Like, I'm just about to go in and get it done. Like, why are you even saying that to me? Um, it was like three weeks or three months or something. And I was like, no, just no. 
Um, so it was about five months after, um, after my loss that we fell pregnant again. I don't think we started trying until maybe the third month. There was no way that I was mentally or emotionally ready for another pregnancy. And it's another thing that I hear a lot is women trying to fall pregnant to feel that, to make it feel better, to make them happier. But if you're not emotionally and mentally ready for a following pregnancy, that you haven't addressed from the first, from your loss is going to come back and it's going to hit you that much harder the second time because there was so much fear. I had so much in that following pregnancy that if I hadn't even worked through my emotions to that point where absolutely ready, the fear would have been crippling and I probably wouldn't have enjoyed the pregnancy. But I was able to process so acknowledge the emotions that I had felt after the law, after my loss in that three months or five months, sorry, and then able to ha- have a handle on the fear and the the emotions that would come through from the following pregnancy. I have to say that my first response was get pregnant again as soon as possible to make up for what was lost. But, of course, you know, sometimes... The body has a different timeline to your grief. Um, and yeah. you, know, you talked about, you talk about transitioning from a toxic job into your, what you're doing now. Um, my, my mom sent me a podcast this week that I listened to that said um, stress is one of the worst things for conception. Um, and I imagine it wouldn't be that great for pregnancy either. Uh, so that's an important yeah. thing to address and acknowledge. Um, how long did it take you to transition from being a dental nurse to to being a coach? Yeah, so firstly, I just want to address the stress because what happens when you're in a or you know, like we've, like I said, it was toxic. It was causing me anxiety. Like your body's response to stress is releasing cortisol and fight or flight state. And if you are in a fight or flight state, which I was like every single day, it actually takes all of you blood supply nutrients away from your reproductive organs to arms your heart stuff that is actually going to keep you alive so that you can run we because we're still so primal but those stresses from when we were you know cavemen and we're there anymore but the same response is still there within us. 
And if you're stressed and you're in that fight or flight state, it's actually going to take vital supplies away from things that we don't need, which would be, which is our reproductive organs. Um, You don't, going back to being in a primal state, you don't want to have a baby or your species is threatened. Like it, it makes sense, but we don't sort of think of it so much these days as, as a thing. And, but we are still, our body is still so wired that way. But look at our careers um, and our lifestyles these days. Everybody is in living such a high stress lifestyle. We're working really long hours. We're pushing for more and more and more. We're really, really career focused. Um, and um, also we have this epidemic where women are struggling to fall pregnant. So you have to, you have to draw some lines there. Mm. So- because stress also irregulates like hormones you know I had no my hormone levels were so out of balance that it's not even something that you think about like on paper I was healthy on paper like I I don't smoke I don't drink you know I'm I'm fit um I had a stable job like we own our home why can't I fall pregnant? But I was also highly, like I was diagnosed with high anxiety. Um, I was making myself sick, not physically, like I wasn't making myself sick. The anxiety was making me sick going into a job every day, into an environment that I didn't like. And it all plays this massive, like everything in our body is connected to something else. And when you start to really think of yourself as a holistic being, not just what look what you see on paper, like internally, there is so much more going on and our lifestyle can play a huge part in that. And that's when I started to realise, you know, I was asking myself those questions, like why the hell would I put myself back into that job? Like after our miscarriage, if that was if being in a stressful environment was actually working against me and I was in that fight and flight like every single day with high anxiety, why was I doing that? When I wanted to live a life, like I was always trying to find ways to get out. So I'm like, why can't I just live a life that's aligned to me where I'm happy and I can then, you know, take a step back and really focus on me and my health and mentally and physically, which is where I found the coaching. Cause then I was like, well, I am naturally good at people coming to me for help. And I was so passionate about using my experience to allow other women to not feel alone, to know that there was support out there for them and, the, and, you know, and their healing. So it just, to me, it was a no brainer. I was like, 
done. <laughs> you just have to make that decision. I mean, you might feel trapped, you might feel obligated to your current situation and you might hate it, but also you can really just step into your power and you can change even though it might be unknown, even though you might have to take one step back to take two steps forward. You have that power and if you're not going to use it you're just giving it away you're just giving it to somebody else um so you either use that power or you don't so um at the end of the day it's just about making a decision right yeah and backing yourself like making a decision that you know like a hundred percent within you that is right for you and backing yourself because there's going to be a lot of people that are going to try and talk you out of it because they don't see what you can see. They don't, and they don't have that passion and that, you know, ability to do what you do because, you know, you are the magic. You, you're the one with the experience. You're the one with, you know, all of the, your unique abilities. So just taking that leap of faith and knowing um, it's that, that quotes like, um, you know, you, you build your wings on the way down, mm-hmm. literally just jumping two feet in for yourself so that you know that when, if you get to the other end of your life, you won't have any regrets. Yeah. And those people who advise you not to take chances, they're not the ones that have to live your life. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, they're not living exactly, and it's their belief. It's their limiting sort of mindset that they have grown up with that, you know, they believe that there is, they've got fear around you doing that, but it's not them actually living your life. Like it's you, you're living your life. Um, You have the power to do whatever it is that your heart desires. And if you've got any any questioning like going on within you that you know that you're destined for something more than you are because that that is um that seed has been planted in your heart for a reason that is your soul's blueprint you were born with that inner knowing it just takes these challenges in our life to sort of awaken awaken our awareness to it if that makes sense (laughs) I really like the um, example of when in Australian bushfires, they're actually, they're devastating, but they're also important for regeneration because the, they crack the seeds open in the trees and stuff and allow that natural process mm. to, to happen. So, yes, sometimes these difficult periods in our life are so important to crack us open. Yeah. And essentially, so we, we, are cho- we have chosen this life and we have chosen these challenges. We chose it before we were even born. And the challenges that we are given are an opportunity to grow our souls and to step into the person that we are meant to be. And each time we get a challenge, each time we can choose to grow through it or we can choose to stay where we are. But if you choose to grow through those challenges and you choose to take them as a lesson, um, as something that 
you can take on board for yourself because it's going to be teaching you something about yourself, then that is your whole divine purpose. Like your your higher self is actually telling it, your higher self doesn't believe that the challenges are bad. We as a person think our challenges are horrible because they hurt, but our higher self can see them because they can see the bigger picture. They see them as a as something good because we can choose to grow from them. And, you know, when you can choose to grow from your challenges and your experiences, like that's when you're really like you are stepping into your true power and your true self. And then you can start to make those decisions for yourself with so much more clarity, like which way you really want to go in your life. I'm really glad you brought that up. That's really powerful for people to be aware of and to understand. And it really helps you reconcile every bad thing that's ever happened in your life and to be able to use it to be better. Yeah. I mean, not, it's hard. Like if you're in, say, like if I had someone tell me there was purpose to my loss, like after experiencing it, um, you're not in the right mind frame to sort of accept that. But then as you sort of can start to grow and start to move through your experience, you can start to see that there is something in there. There's something that you can use for yourself to grow from. And our experiences aren't meant to be ones that, you know, shut us down and keep us stuck. They're meant to be ones that we can grow from and grow our souls and grow our, you know, grow ourselves into that, you know, divine self that we are meant to be on this earth and, you know, really working and sort of being aligned to what we want to do. Yes. Yes. (laughs) What are you doing now for women in your business? So when, after my loss, I had absolutely no idea about being an entrepreneur, like really starting this. It was just completely new territory for me. So, but I knew that I needed to do it. I knew that that calling and I knew that I could help women guide women in the pregnancy and infant loss space like so what I decided to do was I created a business for myself and teach other women to do so that they can then create a business for themselves aligned to them to their values and to their experience because you know what better way your career than something you are absolutely to the core of you passionate about creating so that you're no, you know, you really are working your soul's work. You are living on purpose um, and doing kind of what you're meant to be doing in this lifetime. So yeah, I teach my business model and I teach women how to actually package together their healing mode they used for them to heal um, to and continue healing, then they can then 
offer that to another woman to then help them, you know, heal through their loss. So it's like this beautiful, you know, community and access to support that really there's not enough of. That's really beautiful. And, and I'm so passionate. Yeah. How can women work <laughs> Sorry. with you um, about what you're offering? So a lot of my content goes onto Instagram. Um, my Instagram is essentially ex- an extension of me. Um, I believe is of value and you know if they want to all about and sort of get a feel for who I am then um yeah, they can find me on Instagram um, just at Shana Southern so yeah I'll, I'll link that in the show notes people can find you if yeah you were to package up one little nugget of wisdom to help women to uncover um, their own purpose and power, what would you say? Um, sit and just be with yourself, because we silence our we silence our intuition, silence you know our true self by being busy thinking that busy is good but I would actually say slow down we are all we all have intuition we just learn to ignore it so if you can get outside get into nature go to a beach or go into a a garden or anywhere outside a forest um, and just sit and just be and just ask yourself like you know that that you feel called to do and you know what are your natural strengths even if you do do something that somebody else is already doing you're still going to do it differently you're still going to have something that certain people are going to be attracted to when they may not be attracted to the next person doing it and we're yeah. all needed we're all important we're all unique mm. and we all have our zone of genius yeah and your zone of genius is what you have that no one else has so like you said you could be in the same same you know business space the same entrepreneurial entrepreneurial space as someone else but your zone of genius is different to theirs. So we're going to be drawn to you as a person. And that's how, you know, I teach my business model to be authentic to you and to your magic um, and to your experience because people, person and your vibe, um, whether you, and if you have those two people standing in front of you, there's going to be, you know, a divided audience because not everyone, like you said, is going to that one person. Everyone is so different and we all have our own vibrations and it all someone different. So to just know that you are unique and 
you have your own zone of genius and to know what that is. Um, and then you can start to really uncover what it is that you're truly called to do. And know that there will be fear, but to embrace that fear because it's only going to be the unknown and you don't know how your story is going to play out. So just take that leap and trust. And when you are living your purpose in life, I think you will grow so much. You will flourish so much. You will be so much happier. You will um, be able to share so much more wisdom and power and you can really embrace life a lot more when you love what you do when you get out of bed every day. Yeah, you're not dragging yourself into a job that you're that's unfulfilling yeah yeah this has been a really powerful conversation I um I hope that everyone who's listening has really been empowered and give given I guess a minute to consider their own journey and their own power and their own future Mm. I think it's um if if they've got that inner knowing that they are destined for more just to really give it space space to understand what it is don't silence it because it's been given to you for a reason thank you so much that's all right my pleasure thank you for having me Please share this story with anyone you feel may benefit from hearing it. Or if you or someone you know have your own story to share, feel free to drop me an email at m